Kosi's looking for entertainment this weekend can catch the next Aquarius event at the historic train depot on Blaze Avenue in downtown Bay St. Louis. The event will start at noon this Saturday and run until about 3. All musicians and comedians are welcome to sign up. Bring your folding chairs or blankets to enjoy the free entertainment. Remember, whether you are an entertainer looking for gigs or production assistants or someone that needs entertainment for an event or venue, Aquarius is here to make it happen. Follow Aquarius on Facebook and Instagram to keep up with their latest projects or to contact them about bringing yours to life. And Jason will tell you about our newest sponsor. Landmass, built from the skeletons of old AOL discs, pro- produces talented turd lickers and food for the children. Check them out at landmassentertainment.com and Landmass Comedy on Facebook. Wednesday night, and it is time for the Open Micers Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins. I forgot to think of a cool quip, but my name is Jacob Craig, and uh, our guest Tell him about the guest tonight. Oh, I will, buddy. Our guest tonight is an author, illustrator, and musician who has worked on titles such as The Muppets and Nancy, as well as more than 60 children's books. You can come meet him in person at Pensacon in Pensacola, Florida, May 21st through 23rd at the Pensacola Bay Center. Please give a warm welcome to Mr. Guy Gilchrist on the show tonight. How are you doing today, Woo. sir? Oh, great to see you guys. And thanks for the plug. Yes, we want to get everybody we can over to Pensacon. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I've got a couple, you know, of, uh, couple of panels to do over there uh, at Pensacon. Oh, do so you? Oh, great. Hopefully I uh, get to meet you in person while I'm over there. This will be, be great. <laughs> It's it's been a minute since I've been to uh, to Pensacon. It's been a couple of years, mm-hmm. and I'm really looking forward to it. Man, I have such a good time at that con, and that is just it's such a warm and friendly town. Yeah, Pensacon's one of the best. I've been to a lot of cons, and uh, I think Pensacon's probably the most fun I have at any mm-hmm. convention anywhere. And um, you know, such cool guests and just the whole city. Like the entire city is is basically turned into to one giant convention. So no matter where you go, there's always something going on. And um, so if you if you're interested in going this year, it's the 21st through the 23rd of this month, right here. It's in what two two and a half weeks from now. Something we'll like be- that is coming up real close. Yeah. So um, so tell us. Uh, I mean, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> Let's. Uh, there is a lot to get you into. Just do your, you know. Yeah. Um, I'll you, try to figure. You start, Jay. I don't even know where to start. Like your list of, of okay. credits is like ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to yeah. start actually uh, with the Muppets comic book series that you produced, and of course, I, I do interview. I mean, I do research for all of our guests that we interview. So please excuse me if I say anything wrong. It's the internet's fault. It's not my fault. Um, it happens a lot. But uh, I read somewhere that you actually worked on the Muppets comic book series six months after the show ended. So what was it like to pick up on such a hot property right after you know, well, such a big show stopped? Well, it wasn't a comic book. So that's that, that, the internet is messing you up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it happens so, more than you would think. Uh, well, let me. Okay, well, uh, so there used to be a thing called newspapers, 
once oh, upon I've heard of those. Uh, yeah. Out of trees. Um, <laughs> cut and uh, then they would print on them. Anyway, uh, Jim, in his third year of doing The Muppet Show, uh, began to think that, you know, after five years, um, I'm going to shelve this. This is going to, uh, because I want to do some other shows and some other movies and stuff. But of course, uh, the world was in love with the characters. And so he began a search. He wanted to have a comic strip that could be in every newspaper in the world, in every language, in every country. But it took him two years to find the person, and that person wound up being me. Wow. Uh, so, yes, we debuted in September of 1981, but the, but the show to the public was still out. We were in the fifth year. You know, because although production had just stopped, uh, that, you know, people were still seeing first run, you know, shows. And uh, so to the to to the public around the world, uh, it was we were entering this two dimensions of the, the comic strip in every newspaper, in every language. But it was adding on to the legacy that was going to be you know, the Muppet show, uh, it, you know, it, 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 um, so as far as what did it feel like and all of that, I mean, oh my gosh, I mean, you know, working with Jim every day was amazing. So and what, what I hate to interrupt yeah. you, but what was the process it, of that? Like, was that sort of where did Jim give you the ideas of what to do in the comic or, or did he actually like say, no, okay. no. uh, no, uh, well, the process changed over the years, but um, but basically, uh, the reason that it took Jim so long to find someone, I think, was probably he was looking for someone who was a really big Muppet fan that also could maybe write and draw. And uh, I actually, my audition process for Jim took a year. I was sending in strips for a year before he hired me. Wow. So he had a pretty good idea. Um, and I had already, I had met with Michael Frith. And, uh, uh, and so I was writing a lot of stuff. And then when I finally got the gig, and this would have been, oh, about 10 months before anyone ever saw it in September of 81, uh, I started working with Jerry Jewell. Uh, Jim's head writer uh, and uh, and Jerry and I would talk frequently uh, then I would write and draw the strips and I hired my brother Brad my younger brother Brad and uh, as a writer as well and uh, he helped out on coloring the Sunday pages and what we would do is I would draw as many as I possibly could and then I would send them all to Jim and Jim would look at them and then uh, and and decide whether uh, these were the ones that he wanted to go with. And so it was a very cumbersome, but also very personal thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and Jim loved comic strips, but you can only imagine um, him taking all of that on with everything else that he had. Yeah. It was a tremendous amount of stuff. So 
uh, you know, uh, he must have really believed in 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 me and uh, and in my brother Brad. Um, and we were uh, my my daily person, uh, my daily boss uh, was Michael, and uh, uh, and Michael, of course, was a great barometer of. Uh, you know, of, of where we would go and what we would do. And when you think that 80 million people were reading it every single day and I was just a kid and how scared, scared could I possibly be? Um, and I was, you know, uh, but the idea was that if I could please Jim with what I was doing, then I felt like, you know, I was on my way. So I, I, I didn't get all of that scared about it being all over the world. I just wanted Jim to be happy with what I was doing. So as, as far as you, yeah, you, you said must you, have been a. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to ask you, you said that you, you would do a lot of different strips and send to them. Does that mean there was a lot that were left sort of on the quote unquote oh, yeah. cutting room floor? Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, uh, the process would be that, you know, that I would, uh, I would write, joke after joke after joke and and i would do uh rough drawings uh and i would do them like on, on typing paper okay and i would mail those in to king features they were the syndicate mm -hmm. and they would look at them and they would look at them too but they would also go to jim and to michael and to jerry and also frank Oz. and so everyone would have them uh and as I said, it was a very cumbersome thing because we were trying to get as much input into it as we could. Um, but also there was this nasty thing called a daily deadline and there mm -hmm. couldn't be a hole <laughs> in the paper. Uh, so, uh, uh, but after about a year uh, of, of uh, doing it that way, um, and many, many of those months, we weren't being printed yet. You know, we, we had started working on it uh, a year or so before. And as I said, I already had a whole bunch of jokes that they had seen from this very lengthy audition uh, thing. So uh, time. Uh, so uh, after about a year and a half or two years or so of, uh, of this thing where Jim was looking at it every day and all of that and uh, I, I would get phone calls in the middle of the night from London and he would leave me these wonderful messages and stuff and it was just it was just a great great crazy crazy time um, then there came a point a couple of years into it where Jim said you know the characters as well as I do and they're yours now you know? wow yeah. that's awesome must have been an amazing feeling it really was you and your brother must have been two very young men at this point i mean how much experience did the two of you have uh before you got this gig well you know he was working at a cumberland farm you know or something you know when i hired him he, he had zero experience um uh but i brought brad along with me uh, i didn't have any experience in doing a daily comic strip um i had been trying to get a daily strip um, doing my own ideas and mailing them into the different syndicates uh, for a couple of years. Um, my experience at that point was doing a comic book for a weekly reader, and it was a funny animal comic called Super Colonel. And uh, that was the artwork that King Features saw of mine to give me the audition. 
Um, I had no experience whatsoever. Jim hired the least qualified person. He must have looked for two years through all kinds of geniuses until he found the one kid that had no experience whatsoever. So and what, he hired me. What, what was your, your training for, for your art? Did you go to art school or anything like that? Or was it just completely self-taught? No, I, well, I, I don't consider it self-taught, um, but no, I didn't, uh, I didn't go to college. I went to work, oh. uh, uh, but I started off when I was about 12, uh, doing work professionally, you know, not very well, of course, but professionally. And I started, uh, uh, lying to my mom and taking the train into New York city when I told her I was doing something else at a very early age. <laughs> Um, so that I could uh, go to like the very first uh, and second Comic-Con there ever was in New York City, uh, as soon as I found out that there was such a thing. And, uh, and then taking my art around to any artist that would look at my stuff and also, you know, uh, DC Comics. This was mid-70s, early 70s. And DC Comics had like a search, you know, where they were looking for people and stuff. I brought my work to New York knowing that I would get lambasted pretty good, you know, that I, I, I was a punk kid. But I wanted to know how good did I have to be. So uh, I had a real thick skin and uh, I would work for anyone uh, that would, you know, that would hire me. And most of the time I didn't get paid. Um, but I got a lot of experience in a very short time. Uh, and uh, by the time I was 16, I had gotten my first job in New York City uh, that paid on time and all of that. Because I'd worked for a few undergrounds and stuff that didn't pay me. And, uh, but then I got a job um, actually doing a, a Disney coloring book uh, for Whitman Publishing. And so uh, that was a big deal for me even though you know of course i couldn't sign my name to it or anything like that i was working for disney and uh that was at 16 so that was a big thrill uh yeah i got all of my experience by being an idiot um <laughs> let me explain so when you're young and you don't know anything and the world is smaller because you know there was no internet or anything so the world is smaller um, you know, you have this innocence um, and you have a desire, you know, in your heart uh, and, and there's you, you want to go and do these impossible things. And if you actually explained it to anyone like your parents or something, they'd go, you're nuts. And they tell you, don't do it. But of course, I didn't do any of that. I just started. And um, I got turned down by everyone everyone yeah. but you know but i also got accepted you know here and there and then you learn to swim with the big fish yeah there's a thing that um kevin smith said once that i i kind of carry as my mantra for if you want to do anything cool in life you have to have an unreasonable amount of unreason have a reasonable amount of unreasonability and yes i think yes, that's it's yeah true sounds like that that's kind of what you had it was just like you just went for it without really thinking about you know the odds of it really 
Yeah, well, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's rock and roll, man. It's 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 uh, uh, you know, if you ever if you ever really thought like if, if you know if you ever really thought about yeah the odds of being you know of of, of getting a job oh my gosh as a as a comic strip artist and then doing the Muppets well the odds would have been zero yeah <laughs> I mean like you know there weren't there aren't enough numbers I mean you know you know Lotto is a better shot for you um, but that wasn't that wasn't what I was thinking about what I my goal was. I wanted to be a successful cartoonist. And uh, so I wrote my own stuff. I lettered my own stuff. I inked my own stuff because I didn't know any other way to do it. And and every time I get shot down, I'd put that aside and and I'd create something else. You know, I wouldn't ride the same horse, you know, over and over and over again into the ground. I would put that aside and say, okay, let me give this a shot. Okay. You know, um, it's like that, guys, with with anything, you know, like, you know, anybody that ever made it in music or in acting or in anything that came from nowhere to do it. They've got the same story. They knew so little, Mm -hmm. but had so much want and desire that. You know, that eventually it happened. You know, it's like it has to be oxygen for you. Yeah. It just does. It's, you know, and if it is, then no one can stop you. You're going to be a, you're going to be a success. So what was that moment like? Like what, what was going through your head when you landed the gig of doing the Muppet Strip? uh, It was crazy because, um, as I said, so I had been auditioning for almost a year. Um, and Bill Yates, the head of King features was the conduit that every once in a while would reach out to me and say, well, you know, um, there's some movement over there, um, at Henson, uh, and I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, you see, the thing was that no one asked me to keep on auditioning. It was my idea. Mm-hmm. See, my, my thought process was. Until they tell me I don't have the job, I'm going to keep trying to get it. And, um, and it kind of turned into almost a joke to everyone in my life that I would do my day job, which was doing the comic book and children's books for Weekly Reader. And then I would write more jokes and draw more strips for the Muppets and send them into New York. So... Um, then one day the phone rang sort of out of the blue and it was late in the day and it was Jerry Jewell and I hadn't had any contact with the Muppets at all in months and months and months besides going and meeting with Michael and the people uh, at the with publishing Hanson Publishing and so a phone call from California from Jerry Jewell was like wow I, I, okay, so this is how it went. Uh, is this guy Gilchrist? Yes. This is Jerry Jewell. So, like, um, Jerry Jewell? He says, yes, Jerry Jewell. And I said, you mean like Jerry Jewell, like J-U-H-L? Like on the crawl at the end of The Muppet Show, like the head writer? And he must have been thinking, oh, my gosh, what a rube, you know? And he goes, yes, 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 Jerry Jewell. And then he went. And I'm a very, 
important person and I don't have time for this. And he started putting on this sort of like L.A. thing. And it was very funny. You know, he was being a character. And I said, well, Mr. Jewell, this is like an incredible this is an incredible honor. I, why are you calling? And he said, well, let's talk about Gonzo. And he started talking about gonzo and this idea that he had and then i just jumped into it and we started i said but then in the middle of it i went excuse me but mr jewel this is really wonderful but why are you calling and he said well didn't michael call you didn't jane call you that's not jane levin uh that's jane leventhal not jane that's it um no no oh well you've had the job for a month you're you're <laughs> And so I'm sitting there in Unionville, Connecticut, in a garage studio that I had made, all by my lonesome, realizing that every dream I ever had just came true. And I have to pretend to be an adult and talk to Mr. Jerry Jewell about my new job for the next hour and a half because he's a very busy man. <laughs> <laughs> so i just contained 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 you know and did what i was doing and taking notes and stuff and pretending to be a pro and 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 pretending that dreams come true every five seconds and then i hung up with him and then i went crazy <laughs> i can yeah. only imagine you know, running around you know like you know i felt like passing out cigars like i just had a kid you know <laughs> ran yeah, in you know ran in and you know told my 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 wife and uh my brother uh was renting the other side of the house from me so he wasn't too far to go tell you know and uh but i wanted to run into my tiny little connecticut town screaming at the top of my lungs but instead after i told them uh i went back in the studio and i just started writing i started working yeah you know yeah well you're already a month behind so <laughs> i don't blame you for going ahead and trying to start working I, I always i i mean it i always was and the thing with that the 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 process of the comic uh, was different than anyone had ever done. And um, King Feature said it was impossible. But Jim, um, Jim had this idea. And then eventually I did meet Jim, and I know you'll probably ask about that. But, um, uh, but see, King Features was the biggest in the world. And they had Beetle Bailey and Blondie and lots of other stuff. And uh, and they also worked with Disney, and they had Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and stuff. And so so uh, and the way the comics worked was that the English language version would get done, and then um, it would be sent into New York, and then they would translate it into French and Spanish um, in the reruns, and then they would stack up a whole bunch of you know, English, Spanish, and French um, stacks of them, and they would mail them around the world, and then they would be reprinted. Well, Jim didn't want that. Jim believed that the Muppets belonged to the whole world. So he told King Features that 
the strip that I wrote and drew in the United States today for the Daily News in New York was going to be the one same one they were going to read in Helsinki and the same one that they were going to read in Bangkok and wherever, you know. And King Features is going, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. And then he's going, oh, but I, I think it can. And they're going, no, Mr. Henson, you don't understand. And he's going, oh, no, I, I think I do. And, um, okay, I've got to go make a movie. Um, a Michael, Guy, talk to them. This is how it's going to be. And then he just bops around in his, you know, green sneakers and takes off. And, you know, jumps on the Concord and goes makes a movie. And all the people at King Features are going like this. And they're watching a billion dollars walk out the door in earth shoes, you know, with a knapsack. And they're like, you know, and Jim's like just going, oh, no, we, we can do that. Um, and so it became uh, the only comic there ever was that was that, that it was in every language and everyone read the same one. But that was an undertaking that had never been done before. So. I was working six and seven and eight months ahead instead of six weeks ahead um, because, you know, this was before anything, computers or anything. And we had to do all of that through the mail. Yeah, I was going to ask you how far ahead do you usually have to stay? Um, well, even with Nancy, not, a, not with the Muppets, because you did Nancy as well. Yeah, um, well, with Nancy... Yeah, with Nancy, um, you know, and I did Nancy for almost 23 years. Mm -hmm. So we went from mailing the strip and stuff in, in the late, uh, in the mid and late 90s to scanning it and sending it in digitally, you know, in the 2000s. And um, over the years, uh, by the time I retired from Nancy, you know, I could be working two weeks ahead. Mm -hmm. You know, the normal thing was to be around six to eight weeks ahead, you know, and that was time. Uh, and that was even back in the 80s. That was plenty of time, you know, eight weeks. Uh, but yeah, we, we were more like eight months with Muppets. So what was your writing process like? Like, uh, did you just kind of, like you said, you, you wrote a bunch of jokes and you would do like kind of thumbnails and send them off, but it's got to be, you know, nerve wracking to be like, I have to write a joke for every single day. But on top of that one joke, I got to do these, this many others to send to Jim. Mm -hmm. Like, what, mm -hmm. is, what is that like? Um, well, it was the job. So I didn't think about it. Um, I didn't think about it as being a chore or anything. Um, uh, and to be honest, um, I, most of the stuff that by the time Jim got it, he liked it. Um, you know, there were, um, and, uh, um, I wound up being an okay editor, uh, of my own work. Um, and I had my brother writing as well. So I could look at ideas that he had and we could collaborate, um, on, on story ideas and, uh, uh, and send them in. Um, but me being the artist that was going to do it, um, I would be the first editor saying, you know, this is going to work or this isn't going to work. Um, we did, we, uh, uh, we butted heads more with King Features than we did with Jim. Um, Jim usually was going along pretty good because by the, the jokes, uh, 
the personalities of the characters uh, were coming through in the material that we were doing. Um, King Features, however, didn't like the idea of ongoing stories. And, um, you know, they wanted a joke a day and we wanted to give them a joke a day. But their main idea was that Piggy and Kermit would be like Blondie and Dagwood. You know, yeah. um, let's have Piggy and Kermit every day because that sells papers. Um, but to me, you know, I wanted to do like a week of veterinarian's hospital and two weeks of um, uh, the swine trap, you know, pigs in space and uh, and be telling a story. And then all of a sudden have a Muppet news flash. And, you know, <laughs> and uh, and we also I also liked doing jokes where we were parodying the idea that we were in the paper, yeah. like. Kirk would be walking along and smack into the side of the panel and going, it's difficult to, you know, to, to, to be in a comic strip. I keep forgetting, you know, or Miss Piggy in curlers and everything, not realizing that it was her day to be in the strip, things like that animal eating the comic strip and eating the newspaper and King features would go like, what is this? I'd go like, it's the Muppets. Yeah. You know, um, you know, parodying what what they were doing, and um, you know, and and uh, but you couldn't. They had a difficult time understanding. Well, we want to do Muppet Labs for a week. You know, we want to do this. We want to do that. Skits like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, so we butted heads more with them than uh, than than with with Jim. We were pretty much in sync. Uh, the Muppets and I. Yeah. Sadly, we uh, we don't have a lot of time left here on the Zoom because me and Jason. I'm very... so boring. I know. <laughs> well, no, me and Jason God. are very cheap people, and we can't afford a yearly subscription. Um, so, uh, with the with the time we have left, I want to touch on you. You mentioned Nancy, which you worked on for 22 years, which is longer than I've been alive. By the way, don't want to make you feel old. But you've I already know. I, I mean, no, I'm one of the one of your guests where you go, oh, my gosh, is he alive? <laughs> I think that about Jason. Yeah, every they week. Think that, he thinks that uh, about me every week. So. <laughs> but so what I wanted to ask you, I mean, you've worked on Nancy long enough to raise a kid and send them to college. I mean, yep. what, what was it like to say goodbye to that character in that comic strip? Actually, you know, um, actually, uh, it wasn't difficult. Really? Um, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, uh, uh, you know, I, when I first took the job, um, I kind of thought maybe this is going to be two or three years. Um, but being but having been in the business before um, and realizing that Nancy was losing papers when I took it on and then knowing that when you change the artist, sometimes that's not good. And the other syndicates will like pounce on that comic and try to get it replaced by one of theirs so originally uh me and my agent we were sort of looking at each other going boy if we make six months this will be great and um uh but then fortunately uh people seemed to enjoy uh the version that we were bringing back this sort of ernie bushmiller-esque you know one uh and uh and so I did it, you know, I, I kept having these five-year deals. Um, you know, they, they, they picked up my option. I did five years and then they said, Hey, things are going great. And they gave me another five years. And, um, 
And, and after uh, about 10 years or so, Brad left the strip and I was writing it on my own. And um, I enjoyed having the voice, you know, to put out things and tell stories. Um, but I was about done. Um, just in that, um, you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're writing a never-ending story, and that's what a comic strip is, um, uh, you're, you, you know, uh, and it, it takes up a lot of your time, uh, you know, to do this and to do it as well as you can. Um, there, you also have other stories that you'd like to tell that don't fit into that particular thing. You might, you want to take your voice and put it into other characters and other situations and do other things. And so I had never even dreamt past five years on Nancy. And um, so I really enjoyed my time on it, but by the time it was done, um, I was all good. You know, uh, I was all good. And I, you know, and, and put it away and uh, I put it away and then just just dove into uh, back into doing children's books, which is what I had been doing before I had started doing Nancy. That's understandable. Um, sadly, we only have about five minutes left. Mr. Yeah. Gilchrist, uh, and I just wanted I just wanted to say that, you know, I'm I, I'm at the age where I was the perfect age to to actually read the Muppet comic strip. When I was a kid, you know, I was born in 77, so, you know, I was yeah. just a couple of years old, but, you know, I, I've loved comic strips my entire life, and I, I did my own webcomic for, for a while, that's, you know. Did you it, really? Yeah, and it's just, it's, you know, me and a, my, one of my uh, comedian friends, um, we used to do one called the Nerd Tunes uh, webtoon uh, for a while, but it's just hard to keep coming up with jokes, like, I don't, I don't know how you did that for so long coming up with jokes every single you know what, day i'll tell you and it's 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 hysterical because what what winds up happening it's a very strange thing because if you wind up having that brain that writes that stuff for mm -hmm. that long every single day and you're also writing extras you know that aren't getting in because you're looking for your best stuff um you know when i walked away from you know when the muppets was over right when the muppets was over um, that next year, I wrote and illustrated 20 books. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I had math and stuff, but I wrote, I had, I wrote 20 books in 12 months, tw tw 20 children's books, The Tiny Dinos. Um, I, like, you know, you get to this thing where your, your engine is yeah. revving at a certain rate, you know? And uh, and you 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 just you just get creative uh, that way. I'm still like that, you know. Yeah. It's it's I, I I don't I don't even have enough platforms to stick all the stuff that I write. I, I still write so much. <laughs> well, it's it, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on yes. the show, and I can't wait to yeah. meet you in person. I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna come up and say hi. Uh, I hope you. Pensacon. And uh, any last words there, Jacob, before we leave? Yeah, of course. Uh, you can see Mr. Gilchrist uh, May 21st through the 23rd at the Pensacola Bay Center at Pensacon. He has been a fantastic guest. Uh, obviously, you have so many great stories to tell people, and I'm sure you're going to have a, gr a lot of great art for people to look at there as well. Uh, where can people find you online, Mr. Gilchrist? Uh, 
We have uh, the Facebook page is, and the Facebook page and the website is a guy Gilchrist production. And then you can find me at Guy F as in Frank, Guy F Gilchrist on Instagram, and it's Guy Gilchrist on Twitter, and very, very active on all of those social platforms. And, uh, you know, we put up a ton of art, and uh, we do live streams and all that kind of fun stuff. Fantastic. Well, we'd love to have you back on the show again. We didn't even scratch the shirt, the surface of everything we'd love to talk to you about. So if you ever would love to come back on the show, we would love to have you. Okay, well, yeah, well, let's just start another episode right now. Okay, okay. so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, you great, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to meeting you when I, when I get to Pensacola. Please, uh, please come over and say hi. Absolutely. Uh, so let's go ahead and get out of here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcave at openmikerspodcast at gmail.com we're at openmikers on twitter and openmikerspodcast on facebook and that's going to do it for this week so let's go ahead and get out of here for the latest episode of nerd tunes i think there's nerd tunes this this crazy new webcomic yeah